Hello, I'm John Kenny, the Relationship Guy, and Relationship Coach, helping people to create healthy, intimate relationships. Welcome to the show, the show where we talk about all things relationships with a mix of my own relationship ramblings and some great guests from all walks of life who will be discussing the importance of relationships to them. Hello, so my guest today is a life coach, relationship expert, author and motivational speaker with over 30 years of experience. She has taught the psychology of religion at the Arizona Christian University, amongst other things, and is widely recognized as an international speaker who shares inspirational and relevant teachings and presents biblical-based seminars and lectures on relationships, gender and conflict resolution. Welcome to the show, Cynthia Heyer. Thank you. Glad to be here. Uh, that was obviously a very, very brief introduction. Um, you're joining us all the way from Arizona today. Thank you so much for, for coming along to the show. Um, please do tell the listeners um, a little bit more about yourself, what you do and how you help. Well, I originally was not interested in psychology or actually wasn't interested in education. My poor parents, you know, they're highly educated people and they kept saying, what about your education? And I kept saying, I, I don't need an education. I'm going to be a rock star. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because, Why not? <laughs> yeah, I, I sing and, and I have a really, I have a three octave range and, and, um, and I, you know, I'm coordinated. I do gymnastics and dancing and all these creative things. And my mm-hmm. parents were very, very educational oriented and right. very linear in their thinking and I'm adopted. And so here they get this person that is nothing like them at all, mm-hmm. you know, and it was very difficult for my parents. And, and um, I, I remember my mom said to me one day, she goes, well, I think it's just a good, a good thing that God had you be adopted into our family or you might be like, you know, turn out to be Lindsay Lohan or Britney Spears. Right. <laughs> okay. So she thinks that she's like, you know, I mean, I'm taking it as a compliment, right? Because that's who I, when I was younger, wanted to aspire to, right? And so it's, you know, it's one of these strange things, how life happens and how I got into counseling actually was I had a very severe eating disorder and I was hospitalized and um, two times actually. And so um, all the doctors and the um, you know, psych techs, they were always coming and asking me questions saying, well, what do you think about this patient? And and what do you think we should do with them? And mm-hmm. right here, I'm, I'm being supposed to be being treated for this, oh, right? Okay. Yeah. And, um, and so it's like, I started to realize that, you know, I had a great affinity for insight and understanding someone very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I love humans. I just do. I, you know, I mean, I love all mammals because I like, I like animals a lot, but I love humans and they're just so conflicted so often and they're trying so hard. And a lot of times we don't think they're trying. We think they, you know, and we, when you find out the backstory of all that's going on with them mm. and what they've given up on, what they're still trying to do, what they wish they could do, mm. you know, really being able to understand who they are as an individual, it helps them tremendously to settle down inside when you just say to yourself, okay, this is just who I am. I'm either going to be the best version of that, you know, or I'm going to crash, I'm going to crash and burn every single time. So I accept who I am and change the things I can and the things that I can't change, I need to accept and adapt Mm -hmm. and do them better. So, so so it was quite a 
I find a journey. Yeah. So your interest in psychology came around from your actual, uh, your own yeah. treatment and that That's affinity right. that you then discovered that you had with other people. Yes. I, I tell my, I tell my clients, I say, you know, cause God knows how much I love to laugh. That is like my favorite thing. Everybody wants to tell me a joke because I love, I just love laughing and, and jokes. And so I said, you know, the funniest joke God ever said to me was I was thanking him for my career that I never even thought I would want to do. I just wanted to be an, um, an, a performer. Mm -hmm. And so I was thanking him profusely that I was like, wow, you really do know what you're doing. <laughs> And so thank you for giving me this job. Right. And, mm. and he goes, well, he goes, truthfully, Cynthia, he goes, uh, you need a lot of therapy. So I decided I just have to have you do it for a living. <laughs> 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 and I just said, I can go with that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what was, was, did you find then that your own therapy was very, very beneficial to you that you then wanted to then train to do something professionally to help other people you know it really I was so compelled to be a performer that it was a, a lot of grief and loss to give that up right. and to be willing to recognize signs and and directions that are just happening naturally and I pretty much got it was like a vortex like sucked into a vortex of therapy I I, I really didn't pursue it and found myself there. And a lot of it was um, the different times I was hospitalized. And this is highly unethical, but I, I'm not throwing these people under the bus. But they saw a talent in me and were then asking me to sit in on sessions. And what do you think about this patient? And I'm like, I'm the patient. Mm. <laughs> right. And so, Very strange. I'm not, yes, I'm not wanting to throw them under the bus because I, I appreciate a lot of times how God works in very mysterious ways and how he was working around this to get me to where I was supposed to be. And so a lot of it was for me being adopted as well. I didn't look like anybody in my family. Um, I had no cues like, you know, when you're similar to somebody. Yeah. And so it was, it was tough and arduous growing up because I, trying to find my way, I, I had to do it pretty much on my own because my parents were more, you know, they're highly educated people, very successful people. And that was not a box I was able to fit into. Mm -hmm. And so when I, um, one of the times I was hospitalized, some of the therapists would say, hey, why don't you come into the session and listen to this patient and tell me what you think? <laughs> you know, and so finally, you know, it, it hit me. I'm like, okay, this is pretty obvious. Mm -hmm. All right. And so, but I didn't want to go back to school because I don't, I didn't really like school. I, I wanted to do artistic things. And so okay. I finally decided to go back to school and, and I, I loved it. And I got my, um, cause I have a bachelor's degree in fashion merchandising and design. Hey, from NAU, right. I was in a yeah. sorority and sang in a rock band. Right. Yeah. And, and so you know, when I went to, uh, when I really enrolled in college and I started going, I understand this. I really get this. And I, now I'm understanding why I know what I know. Mm -hmm. And so it became a very good experience at that point. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big, a big shift. Do you think there, I know you're creating something now, but like you did, like you said, you did your degree in right. fashion. Right. 
you were very creative as far as being wanting to be in a rock band and stuff is concerned. Um, right. And you went then decided to go down, you thought, but your calling was actually more in the psychology type helping people sort of space. Right. That's where it finally landed. Yes. I mean, because in my sorority, they had me be the, um, I was the pastor in the sorority. So I would, everybody would come and talk to me about their problems. Right. Every job that I had, people would come and say into my office, even the store, store directors, they'd come in and say, Hey, can I just run something by you? Mm-hmm. You know, and it didn't occur to me I, because it was so natural. It didn't until I started getting a little bit of a, like seeing it from a, a distance. And I thought, this is not normal. <laughs> this is not, this is unusual at mm-hmm. how this is happening. And this is obviously God telling me something, you know, practically having to yell, hello, right? Do you get this? Because mm-hmm. I keep going in these other directions. And I thought that if I, you know, had a, had a professional career, then I wouldn't be able to be creative. Well, that was that was not true. No. So it's it's nice to have both, and it and I'm creative in my practice, and it helps people tremendously. So, so can you tell the listeners a bit about what what you do now and what and how you help? Yes. Well, pr- primarily it's just relationship coaching and directing. Um, I work with different organizations about how to rearrange or reorganize their staff so mm-hmm. that the, the staff members are in the right position and doing the job that maybe is more uh, uh, suitable for them okay. and helping them to understand different um, employees and why they might be doing what they're doing, not in, not to um, I, I don't ever like to have people work around somebody, right? Mm-hmm. I think that as adults, we should acclimate, you know, we should be able to, you know, to fit in as best as we can. And so I, I, I work with um, managers and owners of businesses to help them understand, hey, it looks like this person has this affinity. It doesn't mean that they don't need to do all the necessary, you know, chores that they have, but that you might want to think about putting them in this place, you might want to think of repositioning them, you know? And so things like that, things like helping, um, sometimes I help companies with everybody being able to get along. And so I come in and I set new standards and, you know, I say, this is, this is the, the aroma of this company. And this is what, you know, you're either going to like, you know, follow through with that and get paid Mm. or maybe you need to find a new job. So you can't come into this person's company and decide that you want to change the company to suit you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's kind yeah. of bringing a bringing an ethos throughout the company that people. So it's, yes, it's a lot of natural logical things. It's yeah. a lot of, um, you know, helping people come back to, you know, let let's think about what is really logical here, what is really true, you know. And I I fight people on, well, this is my truth, and I I give this big lecture on, truth is not something that you create; it's something you find. Right. Okay. So you, you can change your reality. You know, reality is, is absolutely very important to us as we are learning who we are and the reality that I live in, but the reality changes frequently and we can change our reality. We can't change the truth. Right. Okay. The truth is static. It's yeah, it's, it's a great gift to be found if you so choose to find it. Okay, so are you talking then like about the truth that's actually out there rather than how we perceive the truth to be? Right, right. it's kind of like, well, there's this great Bible verse that really helps me, and it, and, it, and it's where God says, you know, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. 
Right. And um, so he doesn't say, then you'll know what's real and it will set you free because reality changes, Mm -hmm. but truth doesn't. And so even, you know, and I do this with my clients a lot because even if it's a hard truth and I tell them a hard truth Mm -hmm. and they like, they're like, oh, you know, they, but they immediately feel better. Because see, the truth is supportive. The truth gives you a platform to be able to stand upon. It's not a shifting sands or like the ocean. Like that's what reality is. It, it shifts all the time. And, and we can change our reality depending on how we think, mm-hmm. you know, depending on our behaviors, we can change our reality. Yeah. We, we really can't necessarily change the truth. The truth is, you know, I, I, I got in a kind of a little disagreement with one of my clients and he didn't, he didn't like this idea that I was giving to him about the truth. Right. And I said, I finally said, okay. I said, well, let's just say that you decided that you could fly and that was your truth. So why don't you climb up to the top of my building to jump off and show me how well you fly? You know? And he goes, well, it doesn't really work that way. I said, yeah, it really does. <laughs> you know? So you can jump off the building if you like, but you are not made to fly. Mm-hmm. You can get in an airplane. How wonderful that humans have come up with that mm-hmm. as a way to fight that, that, that inability to fly. Right. But we don't just fly like a bird so right so it's ex- so, accepting like you said the reality of things rather than right 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 rather than carrying perceptions around with you that you perceive right, right. Part of the truth well, and, and you know it's about it's a lot about acceptance you know and when you hear that old adage acceptance the key to all my problems you know i always say to people acceptance does not necessarily mean agreement see there's a lot of things i accept i do not agree with mm. And that makes it much easier for me because then I can change the things I can and accept the things I can't and either work around them or refuse to entertain it at all. Mm. Right? And so that choice thing then, isn't it? You get that choice yes, yeah. what you yeah. do with those inconveniences that you don't. Well, and it's, it's, it's our energy. It's like, how much energy do I want to expend on changing something I cannot change? Mm. You know? Yeah, no, but definitely. Yeah, I mean that is a that is a great thing to understand, isn't it? Is that there are lots of things that go on in the world and in our lives that we might not necessarily find that appealing, um, but being able to put ourselves in the right mindset to to manage right. the best right. way possible for ourselves will make us, like you said, kind of sets you free, doesn't it? Right, right. It does because it helps to you know recognize. Wow, then there's open doors for me. I get to choose which one I go through. Mm. You know, if I'm trying to to fight all of this and make my own door, you know, sometimes we can do that. I mean, we've done that medically, mm-hmm. you know, but where we are now versus where we were 50 years ago. We're doing phenomenally wonderful things and some not so wonderful things yeah. with that. But, you know, it's 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 a wonderful thing when you recognize that, hey, maybe I really can change this or maybe I can adjust it, mm-hmm. alter it a little bit you know and so that helps you to understand as well the things that i actually won't ever accept and see there are things that i will not accept yeah you know and i have to know what what those those are you know abusing animals i will not accept that mm-hmm. abusing children i will not accept that mm-hmm. you know it's like these types of things so so i either need to get into that ethos and try to change that yeah. because i won't accept it or i have to walk away mm-hmm. yeah i guess the knowing which one to do is is, is right right is the key question there isn't it well it's all about are we going to show up as a grown-up or not 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's a completely new conversation, I think, as well. Your 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 upbringing it sounds quite complicated. Yes, yes. I mean, before we came on to record, you were talking to me about that connection that you made with your parents yes. with ADHD. Yes. Um, yes. So that, again, that sounds like you were a completely different character to your adoptive parents. Very different. And, you know, it took me many, many years to realize what a blessing my parents were, mm -hmm. uh, because they all they were interested in, they they saw me as a highly intelligent person, even though I, I was quoted ditzy dumb blonde. Okay. Because I was kind of flighty and kind of, you know, creative. So, okay. so they kept saying, you know, what about your education? What about your education? And I kept saying, I don't need an education. I'm going to be a rock star. Right. And well, my husband, um, a couple, maybe five years ago, found my biological family. Right, okay. And what was fascinating about this is my biological father was a very famous musician, toured with Stevie Wonder. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, keyboards was his best instrument, which is mine, my best right. instrument. Okay. Yes. You know, my biological mother was a dancer, you know, a modern dancer and danced it, you know. Carnegie Hall and, you know, all she was also um, buried in Arlington Cemetery. You know, she worked for the CIA. Wow. <laughs> you that know, is, and, that's, that's a lot. Of yeah, so, yeah. My, my biological grandmother was the grand pianist for the Minnesota State Symphony for 30 years. Wow. And piano is my best instrument. Mm -hmm. So when I found out all about my biological family, it was so freeing freeing it was the truth mm. and i was like now wow i'm not having to fight you know to tell to know that i know this is true about me this mm -hmm. is true you know and so it was wonderfully affirming to go that's where all this came from right mm. so when i told my parents they said wow i wish we would have known that when we adopted you <laughs> you know because that's in the 60s and and in the 60s the the theory was that children are moldable and shapeable and you decide who they're going to be mm. right mm -hmm. and uh, versus saying we're going to give them you know um maybe we're going to give them some rules some laws some values like this is what good people are like this is what we would like you to aspire to at some time in your age you can change if you you know so want to mm. you know but when I was growing up, nobody knew that. They yeah. just thought children were a blank slate. Yeah. 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 And, and what they said goes type thing. That's right. That's right. Uh, so did that cause a lot of conflict as, as a, for you then growing up? Because they, like you said, they, they were very uh, kind of educationally focused, I guess, kind of rational, logical kind of. And then yes. you're, you're over this side with all these creative juices flowing mm -hmm. through your system and not knowing what to do with them. <laughs> <laughs> yes well my dad used to say to me because i played the piano he goes do you ever play a slow quiet song right? <laughs> <laughs> you know and, uh, you know i'd go out and i jump on the trampoline i practice all my cheers you know and and what was really fascinating about finding out about my biological family is they all smoked okay so this is very interesting so when i was a little kid about i don't know fourth grade or something um, I don't know if you heard about this, but they had these like candy cigarettes, right? And so they were bubble gum wrapped in paper and then they right. had powdered sugar. But if you puffed it, it would come out and it looked yeah, like we smoke. had something very similar in the yeah, UK. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. 
So here I am with these candy cigarettes, and I know exactly how to hold it. I know how to puff it. I've never been around people that smoked. Right. Okay. My parents look at me like, how do you know how? I mean, I'm in fourth, fifth grade, right? Mm -hmm. I come to find out that my entire biological family smoked like crazy, right? And so it's strange things like that, that, that when you realize that, yes, we do all come from someone, what choice we have, though, is with all those ingredients, what kind of person am I going to be with mm -hmm. those ingredients? Mm -hmm. You know, I can't, I can't go out and get a brain, you know, transplant. So I have to deal with the one that I have. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't, I can't, you know, it's going to be a really tough operation if I try to lengthen my bones. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, and so there's some things that I just had to come to accept that comes in the DNA. And, and it's, a you know, we're created beings and, and that's, we don't just like poof, you know, now we appeared, right? It's, it's, it's one of these things that we have to really take seriously the DNA that we have and either have it work for us or it's going to work against us. Yeah. I mean, and so very interesting what the kind of the balance of that, isn't it? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And nurture and all that kind of conversation. I mean, there's so many different researches, research papers and everything out there that sort of sort of argues a lot of the points doesn't it about how much is genetics how much is learned behavior um but right. again i guess like you're saying is it's just once you figure out who you are it's about learning to do the best yes we can with yes. with that yes and a lot of it is you know I, I i've really come to value the risk my parents took because they they have one biological child, which was my sister, and then they adopted me, mm -hmm. and then they adopted my brother, and then we got my youngest brother. None of us look alike. None of us are the same at all. I'll tell you, this is a really funny story that I did to my brother. Okay. Mm -hmm. So my brother, was he's about 11 months uh, younger than I am. Right. And black hair, black eyes, okay, mm -hmm. black Irish is who he, what he is, right? And um, I mean, he had pecs in fourth grade. Okay. <laughs> just and a beautiful man. He's a beautiful, was a beautiful man. Right. Yeah. And um, really, you know, athletic. And so he and I go to Jack in the Box and um, he goes up to, you know, place his order and he starts like flirting with the girl. Right. And um, so I walk up and I go, really? Mm -hmm. And he goes, what? He goes, what? I said, so you came with me and you're flirting with her? Okay. <laughs> yeah. And the girl, the girl go, looks at him like, oh my gosh, who are you? Right. And my brother goes, oh my gosh. He goes, I, he goes, this is my sister. And I looked at, I said, do I look like your sister? Because <laughs> I'm blonde and he's black Irish. Right. Yeah. I said, oh, now I'm your sister. Okay. Oh, he was so mad at me. Yeah, I bet he was. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. But, you know, adopted families, they're, they're tough because there's a lot of information that, you would assume you would have it, you don't have it. Mm. And so you kind of have to find your way in some ways. And, you know, the, the thing about adoption, though, I always remind people, I say that that's one of the areas you have the most choice in, you know? See, if I'm adopted, then I get to choose, do I want to be like my biological parents? Do I want to be like the community I've grown up in? Do I want to be, you know, I, I get a lot in some ways more choices. So I can acclimate. And so for my parents who are, you know, my father, brilliant scientist. In fact, he he developed a power converters on Voyager that's still sending back pictures. Wow. He's like the electronic, the electrical guru of, you know, the United States. Mm 
Okay. Super wow. Yeah, super I mean, that's, that's, that's saying something with Voyager. I mean, that was yes, the like yes. 70s, wasn't it? That. Yes, yes. Mm. And he, he's still known for it. He's passed away and people, uh, there are people at Motorola that still remember my dad, Ooh. you know. And so very, very introverted man, very quiet man. And and so it's like I learned so many things from him that would not be natural to an artistic person. See, he he helped me to sit still and go in in a you know with a plan, be able to look at directions instead of just assuming I know because intuitives think they know everything, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I'll figure it out. I'll just figure it out as they go along, right? Yeah. So my dad helped me with really sticking to something and learning a skill. So I mean, I can fix things. You know, it's fascinating. He helped me work on my cars. You know, and and I can change a tire because. These were qualities that I wouldn't have even thought of, but he, as a dad, was saying, I want her to be capable. I don't want mm. her to have to depend always on somebody. Yeah, yeah. So he taught me some great, great skills that I would not have otherwise had. No, I guess if, if you think about the parents, I mean, it's very late that you found out about who they were, but your relate your your upbringing would have been so completely opposite, wouldn't it? The Absolutely. The input, I assume, you know, obviously I don't know, but the, the input would have been very, very different from from your parents, your biological yes. parents. Than from yes, your yes, very different. I, You know, I think sometimes, wow, what would it have been? And, you know, the older I get, the more settled I feel in that, wow, I guess God really did know what he was doing. <laughs> you know, it's like... I could never have thought all this up. I could not have created the life that I have now if if he hadn't to put me in that family and learned some skills that are so not natural to me. Mm. You know, I, I'm very, very big picture. You know, I throw the details out. I'm not a detailed person in a lot of ways, yeah. you know. And so there's so many things that I learned from that family painfully growing up it was painful because mm. i never understood never felt like they got me i never felt like i was right and um and looking back you know now i can see that my parents were super committed to basic building block things that would actually give me a life mm -hmm. so i wouldn't be like one of those you know artistic people that are just falling apart all over the place can't get their act together you know yeah, because I've done that before, and I know, and and my parents, that kind of structure that was so painful for me, yeah. you know, has helped me tremendously. Yes, yeah, so and I guess obviously, as as a, you, and now you're looking back on that, you can see the benefits and mm -hmm. uh, how being sort of grounded, I guess, in certain spaces yeah. was really beneficial. But yes. the struggles, that, like you said, that you had, what was that like for you growing up, having? Uh, all of this energy, all of this creativeness and, and being, I wouldn't say held back, but it feels like you were yeah, kind of yeah, absolutely. back quite a lot of the time. Yeah. Well, it was very, you know, it, in, a, in a lot of ways, it was very uh, invalidating. Mm. So I know, so I would question myself a lot. I'd feel like I really know this is me, but maybe it's not me. Maybe mm. I'm, you know, and so it took a long time because my parents, like even to this day, when I even speak with my mother, she says, you know, we just didn't know. Mm. All we knew was this is how you take care of children. You know, this was in the 60s. Mm. And so it's like, you know, they were good parents, mm. good parents. They Adoption is, it, it's a risk. 
it's a big risk, you know, and um, I'm glad they did. At the same time, you know, you still as a human, regardless of what my upbringing was, regardless of how I got into that family, the responsibility still lies on me. I'm either going to make my life work or not, you know, and I, if I need help, I can go find it. But the bottom line is, even if I get help, I still have to do it. Yeah. 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 And when we talk with people about self-esteem, that's also where self-esteem comes from. Self-esteem mm-hmm. isn't outside of you. No. You know? So. No, I completely agree. I think it's interesting. A couple of things you said there, obviously owning your kind of your own sort of destiny, your own choices. Right. Make, making the best of yourself taking responsibility for that so regardless of maybe what you've been through and that take that you've gone on adoption there as well it's mm-hmm. you know a lot of the clients i've worked with in the past that have been adopted it's it's been a very different different space where they felt a little bit more lost or a bit hard done by because they've never known their biological parents but right. I, like, I like the way that you spun that to say actually no i've got a that's given me actually more choices mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. can i can yeah. choose yeah you know, who I want to be rather than worrying about who I'm not, I guess. Well, it's, it's exactly that. And it's, it's this idea of recognizing that we're all locked in time. And so it's like, okay, so if that's the start for me, Mm. that doesn't mean it's the end ending point for me. Mm. And so people that get too caught up in that, you know, I I remind them, I say, you know, you have one life and it belongs only to you. If Mm. you want to give it to somebody, you can. If you want to give it to God, if you want to give it to spouses, children, parts of you, you want to give to them, that's great. Mm. But you own it. It's yours. You don't get another one. You don't get to go to the grocery store and get a new person. I, I've tried that before where I wanted to just like unzip myself, get out and find a new identity. <laughs> right. you know? I'd imagine so, that would have been something you would, you would have done as a kid because like absolutely. you said, you're very in conflict with yourself yes. because of yes. the feedback that you were getting. Yep. Yeah. So it's just one of these things that people get, like, I can't tell you how many times a day I say to clients, vertical, horizontal, okay? You're stuck in horizontal. You have not very much power in the horizontal. In the vertical, that's dreams. That's spirituality. That's change. That's future. That's all kinds of things that you have choices about if you choose to choose well here. And if you don't choose well, you can fix it in the future. You know, most things can be fixed, not, you know, we have some things now in our society, they're not fixable, but mm-hmm. we're hoping that somehow that turns around. So, yeah. Okay. Again, yeah, that's, that's a valid, very relevant and valid and ex- a great point to make, isn't it? That you can always make choices. And if you mess yes, up, even, yes, and I make another choice. Yes, I've made it, I messed up really bad in, in t- different times in my life. And, yeah. And and here I am. I can choose the next step, right? Mm-hmm. And so I can choose. How do do I want to try to undo this? If I can't undo it, I have to accept it and move on mm. and do it better, you know. So yeah, yeah. And relationships now in your life, how how significant? I mean, it sounds like they've been massively significant throughout your life. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, is that still the same for you today? Uh, relationship. Yeah, I have. Yes, I think that I, I'm always reminding uh, people that humans are mammals. Okay. <laughs> so we forget that sometimes. Yeah. I said, and mammals are herd animals. So they need groups, they need interaction, they need relevance, they need to belong, you know. And um, I've been in different groups that I didn't like very much. 
still necessary to be in a group. It doesn't work well for humans. Mm-hmm. We're not, we're not that famous Bible verse, you know, God says it's not good for man to, to be alone. And that's what he's talking about humans. It's not good for us to be alone. No. So even if we have a terrible relationship, at least we're not alone. And I, I like to help people. I like to say to them, okay, so that's, that's the bottom of the scale here. Yeah. I'm glad that you're not alone. However, why don't we find people that are more like you and people that are encouraging of you and love you, love you deeply? Mm. Yes. I think that's correct. Is it? The people get stuck in relationships just because we are, like you said, we are a, a connecting species. We love to connect and we love to be with people. Um, yes. People, yes. I think some people prefer to be with dogs and cats, but um, and I was definitely one of those people in the past. Me um, too. <laughs> <laughs> But I think we as a connective species, I think you like you say, we do find ourselves connecting to people. Actually, if our kind of patterns aren't healthy or maladaptive in any way, we find ourselves in these um unhealthy type relationship spaces. But like you said, I think to, the need to be connected is so strong yes. in a lot of a lot of us yes. that um, we, we have a tendency just to end up choosing what we believe to be right or whatever, regardless of where right. we come from. Um, yes, that's right. Like, yeah, about that greatly. I tell I tell clients all the time, you know, just because you think it doesn't make it true. Okay? Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, <laughs> you might want to challenge that thought. That's what I yeah. say to them. Yeah, yeah. and I'm settling for just kind of being, like you said, being being in a relationship with someone just for the sake of being there is right. Right. Uh, we're not realizing you've got choices and you can actually step out of that space and make much healthier connections for yourself. Well, and the better relationship you have with yourself, the the better you are in relationships. Yeah. So, you know, it's a lot smoother. It's kinder. It's gentler. It's it's more exciting. It's more accepting. And so if I'm bringing that to a relationship, then the people that I'm in relationship with will, will either pick that up and do that as well, which makes then our relationship together very good, mm-hmm. right? Or I'll come to find that this is a person that still is on a different path than I am, is not ready to learn these things, maybe doesn't want to, doesn't know what, okay, I don't have to take it personally. No, mostly. It's like if my cat, if my cat swats at me, does that mean she doesn't love me? <laughs> She'll come back at dinner time for sure. <laughs> she doesn't want to be petted, right? Yeah. She's just trying to tell me something. I don't, when, I don't know. When, when she feels like it, she'll come back. <laughs> Exactly. I told my husband, you know, because we got this little this cat, right? Yeah. And he, he, I said, you didn't know how much you liked cats until you married one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that again, there's a, there's a lot we could go into. I think on that. Absolutely, day. absolutely. I'd like to talk a little bit about your books, actually. First, oh, thank you. Yeah, um, you've got several, uh, but you've mm-hmm. got one uh is that coming out soon or is that just been released it's released and um i also just finished the audible version of it mm-hmm. so it's not it's not on itunes yet or um any of the, it's not it's not out there quite yet but i just finished it this last week um as the audible version and that's the wars to peace um keeping relationships from going nuclear so okay. yes Cool. Can you yeah, tell us a little bit? I mean, obviously, it sounds quite self-explanatory in its title, uh, but could you give us a little bit more insight into the book? Well, you know, I wrote it more as um, uh, a human manual 
you know, um, because, you know, humans are imaginative and we start, you know, and, and the, the media that we see, we sometimes forget that it's, it's created. It isn't necessarily actually possible. Mm-hmm. Right. And so a lot of what this book is about has some to do with grounding because, you know, years and years, decades ago, we didn't have to talk about grounding because we were grounded. I mean, there was only so much that we could do, you know, and then cars came along and planes and things like this. And so, and now we have, you know, computers and all all of the internet and all of these types of things that cause us to think that we actually can do these things that we're enjoying, Mm. right? And so, you know, a lot of what this book is about is really grounding people to say, you know, A plus B equals C. This really works in your relationship. If what you're doing is not working, you might want to just stop instead of keep doing it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so it, it's like, but we have this this strange alteration in the way that we think is that we actually think that if I can think it, I can make it happen. And I'm like, I think a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you know, my husband attests to that. He, you know, the first when we were first married, you know, I'm sleeping, trying to sleep with him, right? Because I don't sleep very much because it's kind of boring to me, you know. And so <laughs> yeah. I'm laying there and he finally goes, Cynthia, he goes, just he goes, get up. I can hear you thinking, you know. <laughs> I'm like, thank you. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so I really had this book focus on. Um, really nuts and bolts of things that we've lost along uh, the years, mm. like things that were just natural, like being polite. And there's so many studies on being polite and how it calms people down. Mm. You know, it just calms them down very quickly. And so, you know, it's it's things like that, that we have lost some of those basics, mm. you know, so this book is really a manual. It's like, this is a human manual. This is, this is the breed of humans and what works for them, what doesn't work for them, and how you can, you know, adjust mm. and how you can get the best out of you and the best out of other people. You know, there are some basics that we do, you know, and it's like when I, I say to women, you know, let's think about all the cartoons and the scary guy, the scary, you know, cartoon character had the furrowed eyebrows, right? Mm. So I say to women, if you're going to confront a man, just do this. That's <laughs> uh, going to happen here. Okay. Yeah. And so when I do that and I say, no, 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 you are in big trouble. No, I'm not <laughs> doing that. You better say you're sorry right now. My husband goes, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And it's like, it's not magic. It's just, I understand the breed. And so I understand that men get most of their cues physically mm. and see women don't get that. I'm like, you don't understand what you're telling him right now with what you're doing yeah you know and and i say to them you, you can't do the rapid fire talking you can do that with your girlfriends but your husband is not your girlfriend he never will be yeah okay if you want a girlfriend go get one okay <laughs> well, i got 10 yeah. and that's <laughs> where you rapid fire talk that's great yeah yes exactly yeah, I'll, exactly I'll pass on this information for sure um <laughs> just just for the people that that are because there's obviously it's an audio and not watching on the youtube channel uh, Cynthia, just can you just explain what you did with your face there rather than furrowing your furrowing? Oh, oh, yes. So I say to women, raise your eyebrows. Yeah. And if I say to a man in my office, I will look at them like this and I will say, that is not going to work in here at all. You need to rearrange that right now. 
Mm-hmm. And what do men do? He looks at me and he goes, oh, okay. Like that. But if I furrow my eyebrows and start rapid fire talking, I can't believe you're doing this. And you, you, you should never be able to do this. And why are you doing this? And you're hurting me so bad. Men cannot take that information in. Mm. Women can. I'm not saying that information isn't relevant. But see, when women do this, they immediately walk toward each other. And oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, right? Men move away. So I say to women, if you want him to move towards you, you need to relax your body and use words to tell him what's going on. And so you say things like, that really hurt my feelings. I know you. I know you wouldn't do that on purpose. It still really hurt my feelings. Mm. And see, just that cadence, just mm. that tone, you were able to just go, hmm. Mm. It's very unfortunate, right? isn't it? And, and non-critical and uh, yes. non-accusatory. It's all very uh, softly kind of inviting. Yes. You to yes. And so I teach women, I say, I want you to use words instead of trying to use your body. If you use your body in a negative manner, they will hear none of your words. Mm. So if I relax my body. They're themselves, aren't they, for something else? Yes, yes, yes. So if I relax my body and I even, I say to women, if you're going to say something really harsh, like, and maybe it's very justified, just don't look at them when you say it. So I say, just go like this. I can't believe you just said that. I'm disgusted by it. You've hurt my feelings terribly. Mm-hmm. And then I look back at him and I say, <laughs> and the guy goes, oh, really? Oh, okay. I shouldn't have said that. Right? And it's so it's very, I mean, I, I'm, I'm over-exaggerating, you know, because I'm an actress. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh, yeah, but... <laughs> It really it helps. It's like when I say to women, you know, you have to understand that men are a different breed. You know, it's like when you say we say people don't get the pet the cat backwards. Right. It's like if you have a fish, you don't buy it a litter box. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, come on. You, you have to learn the breed. Do you know what? I really like that analogy. It's not I've never heard before, but you're right. You wouldn't stroke your cat backwards because your cat would turn around right. and slump, wouldn't they? Or, or, or they'd get annoyed with you and walk away. Right. You can pet a dog backwards. Mm. They just want dogs just want to be touched. Yeah, yeah. Not cats. No, definitely not. Very my different. Cat, my cat doesn't even like being stroked backwards. She just likes a little bit of nuzzling around the face. Exactly. <laughs> and then get tired of it. <laughs> um, so if people want to reach out to you, Cynthia, um, how can they get in touch? Um, my name is spelled as it sounds, it's C-I-N-T-H-I-A, Cynthia Hyatt, H-I-E-T-T dot com. Great. Um, everything will be in the notes if you want to reach out to Cynthia. Um, is there anything that you've got on offer at the moment that the listeners can get their hands on? Well, um, not at the moment, but the book will be out on, on Audible. It is on Barnes & Noble and it is on Amazon now. Right, so they can get a copy of that if they go to Amazon. There's, there's another book. The first book I wrote was called God Wants You Truly Living, Not Walking Dead. And so that's a very, um, that's more from, a, it's more educational. It has lots of biblical references. Mm-hmm. But the concept is, you know, living your life and not just letting your life do you, you know. Right. So, yeah. yes. Yeah, that's an amazing concept. 
Um, and uh, do you have, I know you've already quoted a couple of things for us today, but do you have a, a favourite quote or some words of wisdom that you'd like to leave the listeners with before we finish up for today? Hmm. I think I think it would be more, um, I, I tell clients frequently, if you want to be loved, love yourself. And loving ourselves does not mean indulging. Loving ourselves actually means taking care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And and I remind people, I say, take care of the one he loves. God loves you. Your family loves you. Your clients love you. You know, neighbors, whoever that is. The greatest gift we could give to people is that we take care of ourselves so they don't have to worry. There's so much to worry about. There's so much to be stressed about that it's nice when you have someone that you love that you don't have to worry. Mm. You know? And so I that that's one of the tenets of, of good relationships is that if I'm taking care of me, I take off so much burden. You know, if I'm if I'm not okay, all of my clients suffer, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, I, you know, we have an obligation to the people that we love. Most definitely. And that doesn't mean they're not, they can't care about you, but it just, like you said, it just relieves a lot of, it helps you, right? Because you're in a great space yourself. But like you said, I think that's something that I've worked with a lot in my clients is if mm-hmm. you're in a great space, you're in a, you're in a great space for not just yourself, you're in a great space for everybody. That's right. That's right. And it also is a great example. Mm-hmm. And I wish we were giving this example to our kiddos. Because, you know, that's one of the things that I didn't know what a great gift my parents gave me in in strictness that they said, you know, before you play, you do your work. Like there's all these things that I just learned to do. And I thought my parents were mean. Mm-hmm. And it just, it just makes my life work so much better. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah. I agree. I agree completely. Uh, thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute so much fun. Thank you. <laughs> um, again, one of these conversations where there's lots of things that have cropped up, which we could have another show about. Uh, so maybe we'll do that sometime in the future. I'd love to. Yeah. Uh, uh, thank you for joining me all the way from Arizona. Cynthia, it's been great talking to you. Thank you. You too. Have a great day. You take care. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe, follow and review the show. That is very much appreciated. And please do reach out if you would like to know more about how you can create healthy, intimate relationships in your life. I will leave you with this quote from Carl Bond. Although we can't go back and make a brand new start, we can start now and make a brand new ending. I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Relationship Guide.